morning. It's so good to be with you this morning and to be able to share what God is doing in the lives of our students. Um, it's been another wonderful year of being on mission with our students and our community. Um, and so I'm excited as we've been teaching our students what it means to be kingdom builders and what does that really look like to be a part of the kingdom that God is building, agents of change in our community. And as Kyle said, this week we were able to spend, or this year we were able to spend a week embracing Memphis. Um, if you're not familiar, if you're new to Trinity, you might not know that every summer we take our students on a week-long mission trip to a city within the U.S. Um, it's a domestic mission trip, but we call these our embrace trips. And the reason that we call them our embrace trips, as, as we've, as we've uh, been journeying with our students and, and, uh, and we've talked about it, we've done, since I've been the youth pastor, embrace Oklahoma City, embrace Nashville, embrace Charleston, West Virginia, embrace Waco, and this year, embrace Memphis. And I've talked about this before, but what I really want to remind you of why we use this term with our students is because embrace means two things. Embrace is a verb, and embrace means first to hold someone closely, to kind of wrap your arms around someone physically, but it also means to accept and to support them. So we're doing two things. We're holding people closely and we're accepting and we're supporting them. Um, so this is an all-encompassing definition that talks about both proximity with people and participation with people. And so because we believe that Jesus was all about embracing people, if you want to look back, um, Jesus is all about proximity. He's all about participation with people. He called children to himself. He called people that were outcast society to himself. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. No one was excluded from being invited to participate in close proximity to Jesus. And so Jesus was all about calling everyone to himself. And so it's our hope that as we take these trips with our students, that they will begin to embrace what God is already doing in the community in which they're sent. As kingdom people, as followers of Jesus, we believe that it's important to create these intentional spaces where we ask students to embrace people in the way that Jesus embraced people. Intentional spaces. We want them to experience intentionally what it looks like to break down these walls that society has set in place for us, whether that be uh, economic status, whether that be um, the barriers that happen in race relations, whether that happens with ageism, um, that there are these barriers that society has set in place for us that are not biblical, that are not of God, that are not the way that Jesus would do things. Jesus is about loving everybody, so we want to create these spaces, maybe uncomfortable spaces for some of us at times, um, where we begin to see people intentionally the way that Jesus saw people. And so as we go on these trips, it's our hope that as a group of students and adults that we'll be able to wrap our arms around a community and wrap our arms around what God is already doing in this community so that we can better hear the whisper of what God might be asking us to do when we return home to our own community. And so the reason we tag the word 
embrace onto all of our mission trips. The reason that it makes every single one of our t-shirts is because we hope to embrace communities. Embracing is what we stand for. It doesn't take long. If you're friends with any young people on social media, it doesn't take long to realize that our young people are passionate people. They experience things personally. They love with a lot of depth. And they are about being a part of each other's community. And so embrace only feels right. And so when we take our students on these trips and we ask them to embrace, it is second nature to them. I have yet to be with a group of people that embrace more easily than our young people. And so we're not asking them to merely be exposed. We're asking them to be a part of someone else's story, that that story might change their lives. So as we began our week, I challenged our students with this idea of what does it look like to truly encounter people in their life situations? What does it look like to really feel with them, to not come as a tourist, to come as a pilgrim? And so we were, um, Wesley and I, Wesley's my boyfriend, we were just in Chicago this weekend for my cousin's wedding. And so uh, we stayed with my parents in the city, um, right on Michigan Ave, the Magnificent Mile. So Wesley and I decided, all right, we, we've got a, a day or so here. We've got a little bit of time that we can see the city. So we began planning. We went to the John Hancock building, and they have this 360-degree view of Chicago. And so we took an elevator up to some really high floor. I don't remember which. What was it? 94. 94th floor. We get up on this, and there's 360-degree view of Chicago. You can go around the whole deck. Um, and then we were really crazy, and we decided. I saw this on Facebook once. I don't know if you've seen this. There's this ride called the Tilt Ride. Have you seen this? Okay. So basically what happens is you pay an extra $8 for this thrill. You stand basically in a window sill and, and you hold on to these bars and they begin to tilt you at a steep angle over a street in Chicago. So you basically have like a bird's eye view of the city. Okay. We did that. We, we ate at Stan's Donuts. Um, we ate deep dish pizza. We went to Sprinkles Cupcakes because I always wanted to go. Um, we went to the Cloud Gate at Millennium Park. Maybe some of you know that as the Bean. Um, we went to Navy Pier. And we took all the selfies to prove that we did all of that. We were unapologetically this weekend tourists in the city of Chicago. And that's what we set out to do. However, when we took our students to, to Memphis, we set out to embrace Memphis. We had a different mission. That's not to say that we didn't do some touristy things. We uh, saw the ducks march at the Peabody. We, we took a stroll down Beale Street. We ate Memphis barbecue. And selfies were taken. And I want our students to experience the fun that it is to go into another city and, and see all the things and eat all the food, you know. But I told my, our students as we, as we came into this community that if they were only looking for photo opportunities, that they were going to be missing something. 
that the purpose of our trip had a greater mission, that it was a pilgrimage. So I asked our students to see this trip with several different goals in mind. Uh, we talked about learning to be present. How many of you go through life and it's busy and it's messy and it's crazy and you're just trying to make it through and, and you realize that the event is over before you even knew? Do you ever have those moments where you're like, I totally missed that. I said, students, be present. I want you to stop and to be silent. And as you're stopping to be silent, I want you to learn to listen. Not listen because uh, we have instructions for you only about how things are going to work, but listen. Listen to people's story. Get in people's spaces. Be in close proximity to them. Don't just listen until it's your turn to talk again. I'm really guilty of that. Waiting until it's my turn. Oh, yeah, 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 your story is awesome. Let me tell you about my story. Not listening until it's our turn to talk again, but listening just to listen. As you're stop, stopping and being silent, take time to listen. And that brought up a verse from James 1.19. It says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And for me, that's oftentimes been a conflict resolution verse. That's been a verse that Wesley and I whisper to each other. Hey, now, be quick to listen. Be, be slow to speak. Don't get angry with me. But I think what James is saying is, I think there's some merit to it. Because that when we are quick to listen and we are slow to speak and when we begin to listen to people is when we begin to really hear them and really hear what they have to say, really hear their stories, not just looking for ways to fix them. We talk about this idea that people are not projects. We're not going to change you. First, we're just going to listen. We're going to get into close proximity with you and we're just going to listen. And so as we talked about being present and learning to listen, we also talked about this idea that we need to learn to notice. Because we know that when we learn to be silent and we learn to listen, that we begin to notice how God is at work. If we take that time, if we create that intentional space. So I'm going to have Melissa Fitzgerald come up here for a second. And she's going to share a few things about what we did while we were in Memphis. Um, and then I'm going to have Ava Lewis come up and she's going to share um, just her personal experience. But Melissa's going to kind of draw out for you what we did and just kind of what she saw in our students. Good morning. So I was, I've been lucky enough to, I grew up here at Trinity and as a student I went on several mission trips um, and now I've been lucky enough to go on four, I believe, as a sponsor. Um, so this trip to Memphis was equally as um, inspiring to me as an adult because, like Kristen said, you'll never meet a harder working group of people than students. And you'll never meet a more authentic group of people because, trust me, when you spend that much time with people, you might get a little irritable and you will know it with students 
and they will work it out quicker than any adult I've met. So, um, but just kind of to touch base on the things that we did while we were there, there's an organization called Metropolitan Interfaith Association. So we worked with them. Uh, we did Meals on Wheels with them. So in the mornings, uh, two mornings a week, we uh, loaded up our vans and took two groups and, and did two separate um, routes. And we literally just, the students walked up to homes of seniors in Memphis and delivered meals. That's what they did. It was a hot meal. And maybe that student was the only person that that senior might have seen um, that day. And, you know, so they had a little bit of an exchange with the person at the door, but primarily they were just working, you know, they were just delivering meals. And like I said, we did that, uh, two days while we were there. And the, the thing I really found interesting and exciting about that particular organization is it was truly interfaith. So we're in the lobby, you know, collecting our meals to, to load up and, and you saw people coming in from such a diverse, um, community and, and, you know, different religious headdress. And so it was really exciting to see a group of people that are there to serve their community and are willing to, um, you know, bring their own faith into it and work collaboratively. Cause I think that doesn't happen often. So that was kind of, it was really neat to get to see. Um, another organization that we worked with was the neighborhood Christian centers. Um, and as you know, we, here do empower. So, you know, Kyle and I were really appreciative to see all the different ways that people are doing things in their community and see what we can bring back here. Um, but they did something really just so simple and so impactful. They had centers in four different um, apartment buildings in Memphis. And three of the four, they literally just had one of the apartments. So um, I know that Kyle's group, had, I think they had like 30 or 40 kids like in an apartment living room, but they did, um, meals and they did, uh, during the school year, they do some after school programs, but they're stationed in this, right in the center of this community of these apartments in the four different places. And so they go to where, you know, quite literally they go where the people are and they go where the need is and they get in there and they know their people. They know the, the families, they know the kids, and they're able to help them in really practical ways, um, which, you know, we're all about here. So it was, it was a really cool thing to see how they were doing that. And then we also, um, they also actually were the organization that we stayed with. And so they had a beautiful building in the middle of a um, challenged neighborhood. Um, but they were quick to point out that our, our building is not damaged. There's not graffiti. And, you know, the point is that we're in and of the community. And so the community is, they're our neighbors. And so, um, you know, they, they didn't maybe have some of the challenges that other community organizations might be having in their city because they were just with and of the people of their community. Um, but just to give you an idea, so we slept in the building with our air mattresses, but they had so much going on in their building all day that we had to be up dressed and have all of our air mattresses cleaned out of the room every day by 7:30 because they just had programs going and so we had one classroom that we shoved all of our air mattresses in so they could they could use the building so um you know it was really it was neat to see that too because i feel like we we're good here at trinity about using our building and it's 
Uh, but it was really nice to see the unique ways that they were they were using their building. Um, the the third organization we worked with was Calvary Rescue Mission, and they started. There was a gentleman who um, he was an alcoholic, and he um, started attending church and and turned his life around. And so he started driving around a hearse in Memphis and and picking up you know drunks on the street as a way to um, give them a place to sort of sober up and as a, a, a friendly face to say, I know, I know where, you at, where you're at, I've been there. And that's what started it. And then eventually it became a rescue mission that's been around, I believe, at 51 years, something like that. Um, and it was, we served, we served and ate a meal with them. So Ava's going to talk more about that, and I don't want to spill the beans for her, but um, I will just say, I had an opportunity last year to serve with Ava on mission trip. And it's really exciting to see when a student finds their thing. Ava, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I know you should have spoke first. Um, but last year Ava found her thing. And those those guys at the homeless shelter we served at last year, I mean, they and the and the ladies, they just she got them, you know, she didn't judge them. She just, she got to know who they were. And, you know, that's an intimidating thing for anybody, especially a group of students to walk in to a homeless shelter um, where maybe people are, are, have a different life than you do. They've had different experiences, but Ava really, she really, she shone through last year. And so this year when she found out we're going to a, a homeless shelter, of course, she was like counting down the days and she was the first one to sit at the table with the guys talking. I had to like go around, go eat, go eat. You got to go get food so you can eat because she was just too busy uh, chatting with some of the guys at the table. Um, but, you know, that was really exciting to see and to talk, get to talk to Ava about those experiences and, and how that's going to impact not only her life, but I can tell you that it's going to impact a, com a community. Because Ava's going to do something with that. And all of our students that went, they had experiences that they're going to take into their schools. They're going to take into whatever they do beyond school. So it's, as a sponsor, I feel lucky to get to see that. Um, and I'm going to let Ava come up and tell you more about the um, rescue mission and her experience. If, just try your eyes. Get a little tissue. There's tissues. <laughs> One up, Ava. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. So during my week in Memphis, I learned the difference between encountering something and being exposed. To be exposed involves simply seeing, hearing, and or touching for a brief moment. Exposure is a tourist activity. It wasn't until this trip that I understood how much I mistake my exposure for encountering. Encountering something involves much more. It involves an active engagement in a situation. It involves your whole being. And it is here in the midst of the encounter where, a where conversion of your heart, mind, and life can occur. And just this happened for me. In our week in Memphis, we did several things. We worked with a group um, 
and did Meals on Wheels. We delivered hot meals to the homes of those who couldn't cook for themselves. We also got to work in some kids' camps. At these camps, we sang, danced, ate, and played with lots of new faces. We formed relationships and bonds with these new friends in the few days we got to spend with them. And my favorite thing, like Melissa said, <laughs> we volunteered at Calvary Rescue Mission, a home for homeless men. When walking into this facility and talking to some of the residents, my heart felt at home, like this was where I belonged and that this was where I would have encounters that would make the deepest impressions. I could go on and on about the fun I had at Calvary, but I'll keep it short for my time crunch. Calvary changed something in me. Hearing how, hearing how far this organization had come over the years and the testimonies of the men opened my eyes for, to a whole new world. You could see how God was working in their lives, and while I had come to serve, they ended up serving me. Overall, our trip was about serving each other, to grow alongside one another and continue to grow in our relationships with God. I learned you can't pick and choose who you love, because we as Christians were called to love everyone. And now that we're back in North County, it is my goal to continue my encounters with the people in my community. Lastly, I want to thank the amazing adults that took us on our mission trip. Um, I can't even explain how grateful I am that God blessed me with a group of amazing mentors and role models. So with that, I love you guys, and I can't wait for mission trip next year. I love hearing stories like that. Um, and as Melissa said, that didn't just happen for Ava, that happened for a lot of our students. And so um, you can tell, you can, you can feel in the atmosphere that there was an impression left on our students. Um, so on behalf of them, I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for your investment. We do what we do with our students because of the support that we get here at Trinity, as Kyle was talking about. You guys give monetarily, you pray for our students, some of you work with our students in our student ministry. Um, so thank you. Thank you for believing in young people. One of our core values here at Trinity is that we will believe in and wholeheartedly invest in young people. And thank you for believing in them and for investing in them. Thank you for believing that our students are not just the church of the future, but they are the church of today. And so I hope that you learn from them. I hope that you understand that your investment is something that you reap a return on. That, um, that you get to learn from them. It's a joy of mine to teach them during the school year on every Wednesday night and, and just different service activities that we do. But it's also a joy of mine to learn from their amazing hearts that come ready for community um, and ready to serve. And so I hope that these stories have encouraged you that you will lean into this idea of really embracing the community 
I say we create intentional spaces. We ask our students to do this often, to get into spaces with people. But I think sometimes it takes us going outside of our own community, the place that we're comfortable in, the place that we know our space, um, and going to a different community where we have to figure that out. We have to figure out where do we fit here. And so for Ava and, and a lot of our other students, it's do, do I fit here? Are these my gifts? Can I talk to these people? Am I, am I a talker? Am I a listener? Uh, what do I, where do I fit? And then it's coming back here and saying, okay, now I understand my purpose differently. So you don't have to take a trip to be able to experience that, but that's just one of the ways that we ask our students to participate in this, to learn for themselves what God might be asking us to do here. So I hope that you lean into this idea of continuing to embrace our community um, because we want to be a people of proximity and participation. We want to be a people that takes time to be present, who listens and who notices what God is doing and who dares to be a part of it. So thank you so much. Uh, one of the phrases I often say, uh, especially in small groups with people, is kind of this question, okay, so what? Uh, so what? Uh, where we live here in St. Louis, it's interesting to me. I am a sports fanatic. Uh, I can't wait for football season for uh, the University of Oklahoma to make their way to the next national championship. And uh, so I'm obsessed with sports. But this is what I know about sports, especially living in St. Louis, uh, is we consume it. And what I mean by that is, uh, with the loss of our most recent manager, um, all you have to do is listen to a little bit of sports radio, and everyone believes they know everything about baseball. And everyone has an opinion, but at the end of the day, none of us are actively engaged or involved with the Cardinals. We spend money, we invest in it in that way, but for the most part, if you go to a game, you sit in a seat, you yell what should happen or shouldn't happen, and we get upset or frustrated when it doesn't go our, our way. Or you go to a concert, or you go to a movie. We are people who don't necessarily participate, but we consume. And the temptation is for that to carry into the church as well. And so even in a setting like this, it's really easy for us to sit out here. And we hear Ava, who could have talked uh, even longer. And I'll share, um, when we went into the homeless shelter and they had chapel, um, this was their first day in their new building. They had been meeting in the basement of an old church and around 40 guys sleeping in one room in bunk beds. And for the last four years, they needed to raise, I think, around $4 million to build a new building that would double the amount of men who could stay there. And this was the first night in their new building, their first meal, the first time to stay there. And so the chapel that they have every night is always a big deal, and it was full. And they begin to say, who wants to share what God is doing or has done? And several of the men stand up and share. And the guy leading says, anyone else? And he points and I turn around and it's Ava standing up in the midst of people she doesn't know in a difficult setting. And she talks about how she's been inspired and believes in these men and how it's changed her and challenged her. And it was just this important moment in her life. But here's why Ava is changed by that is because she participated. And so for many of us, we'll sit in our, our seats and we'll applaud what Ava has done and what our students have done. And, and that will be it. But just let me tell you that let that be a challenge. Here's what I love about Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus invited people to follow him. 
he simply said, come and follow me. The first two people that he invites to follow, just real quickly in Matthew 4, 18, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. To many of us, that wouldn't make any difference. But for these two people, they had been overlooked. Uh, The reason they were fishing is because they weren't good enough. They weren't smart enough. As they went through school and they were good Jewish kids, if they were good enough, they would go to the next level and they would go to the next level. And eventually the goal was to become a rabbi. But at some point, someone came to these two guys and said, you know what, good try, but you're not quite good enough. You need to go back and you got to learn the business of your father. And so it says they were fishermen because they weren't good enough and that's all they could do. But Jesus saw something totally different in their lives and basically said, I think you can do what I'm doing. And I want to invite you to come and follow me and learn from me. And so it was this incredible invitation to these men, these original people to come and follow Jesus. But let me tell you, it was not simply about following and watching what Jesus was doing. Jesus, at the end of his life, he says, come at the beginning, but then he says, go. He says, go. He says, you've been consuming and you've been learning, but the call on your life is to go and make disciples. Go make other people who will will come and follow me. And then in Acts 1.8, before he uh, ascends into heaven, he gives this call to people that you will be my witnesses literally around the world. It was this call for you and I to take what God has done in our lives and make sure other people know and experience it. And the way I think we do that, I'll read the scripture in Colossians Three. It says this, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I love this picture of clothing because it's not something that's necessarily natural, but each day you wake up and decide to put it on. You make the decision to be a person who is humble and gentle and kind and patient. He says, bear with one another, And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I think the the call on your life and my life, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus, but I think for all of us as humans, is to put on love. To love one another well. Uh, The lady who started this ministry we stayed at, her name was Joanne Ballard. And uh, over 50 years ago, her and her husband were followers of Jesus and took this literally. And they said, we're going to love our community. And so over a certain number of time, they fostered 70 kids. And at one point, they had a clothing pantry and a food pantry in their house. And literally what they said was, we're going to love all people. We're going to love love our neighbors. We're going to put on love. And 50 years later, they're celebrating what has been a part of her life. And, and she's no longer actively involved. She would come and she would sit in a chair in the office at the Neighborhood Christian Center. And just her presence, you could just feel the way she loved people. And I thought about it as I, I know they're celebrating her like in two weeks in her life. The thing that I said to her is just thank you for loving people well. And that I hope at the end of my life as a follower of Jesus, I've accepted the invitation to follow Jesus. I've accepted the invitation to be like Jesus to everyone I encounter. 
but more importantly, I would understand that there's also a challenge on my life. That my life is not simply about me, it's not simply about acquiring, it's not even just about putting the label of Christian or follower of Jesus on myself. The challenge is that I would love people well. The challenge is that I would be a witness to everyone that I encounter, that I'm a follower of Jesus and that he has done something in my life. The students have experienced that. The challenge for us as adults is to not see Ava as, oh, that's nice that that was your experience. But to begin to ask God, what are you asking me to do? What are you saying to me? Where is there somewhere in my life where I'm just consuming and it's time for me to actively engage and participate? Because here's the the truth, is that you are called and equipped. That you are gifted to make a difference in our community, in your neighborhood, in your home, at your work. That your life could flourish into something bigger than just yourself. And that there's many of you who will do this and never be noticed. That no one will ever have a 50-year celebration of what you have done. But God will look down and be pleased. He'll be pleased because you have loved him and you have loved others well. May we all, may we all, as people who are created in the image of God, love everyone else who is created in the image of God. May we begin to ask God, what are you asking me to do? And would we then follow through when we get the sense of what he's asking us to do? Greg's going to come up and play a song that we always end with here in this idea of what God is calling us to because the church is not about just coming together and doing something and, and singing a few songs and then going back to our everyday life. The idea is that we gather here to be then scattered into all areas of our city. That the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus goes with you that the spirit of God goes with you everywhere that you go. So may you know today that there is an invitation. So if you've never received that, if you've never believed that, that he's inviting you to something greater, I want you to know that today. And some of you have accepted that invitation. You've been thankful and you love the idea of grace and forgiveness and that God loves you. But maybe today it would be this understanding that there's a challenge that's also been put on your life. That not only does Jesus say come, but he also says go. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, thank you for today. And uh, man, I'm thankful for my daughter who went on this trip and, and challenged me as I saw her love people well. I'm thankful for the, the rest of our students who dive headlong into the idea of loving people, of serving, of doing what's asked of them. I pray, Lord, for us as adults that we would also understand that there is a call on our lives. Father, I pray you'd encourage all of us, even those here today who would say they don't believe or maybe they're, they're doubting, would, would they understand that they too have a purpose to their lives? Would you use us? Would you use us in North County and in St. Louis and in Missouri and in our country and everywhere we go? Would you help us to put on love? Would we clothe ourselves with kindness and humility and goodness and patience to where everyone we encounter and meet, Lord, could not deny the fact that they've been in your presence not that they've just been with us, but there's been something that's happened. God, this is our hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.